This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and along with Archbishop Alexander Sample, we will be speaking about the season of Lent and this Lenten journey and making the most out of this opportunity to grow in our love of Jesus Christ. Great to have you back with us, Archbishop. It's good to be with all of you. Well, as we begin, this is a big journey for us, the Lenten season, and let's open with prayer. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, you give to your people each year, to your church, this wonderful season of Lent, this time of prayer and reflection and renewal, and yes, repentance and mercy as we prepare to celebrate the Paschal Mystery with our minds and hearts renewed. So, Father, we ask you to be with us during this broadcast and especially to stir by your Holy Spirit in the hearts of our listeners that somehow you will be able to communicate a word of encouragement and challenge to them uh, during this most holy time. And all this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lenten journey, there's so many aspects of the Lenten journey, but I think as we've been talking so much about your response to the Holy Spirit, uh, the work that the entire church is doing right now with this uh, process of discernment and, and, and sessions gathering together with the synods, mm -hmm. um, there's so much about community, so much about prayer, about listening, mm -hmm. about following the call. Um, maybe your approach to this Lenten season for you personally, and also as a larger community? Yeah, that's actually a very good question, Dina Marie, because I, I'm, I'm actually approaching this Lent a, a little bit differently uh, than past Lents. You know, Lent has always been, for me, one of my favorite uh, parts of the liturgical year in the church, and I know that might might sound strange to some people because it's a time of, of penance and, 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 and sort of a uh, a more somber time, quite honestly. But I, I find Lent, I've always found Lent to be tremendously uh, enriching for me spiritually. I mean, it was during Lent, actually, that I made, finally, the decision to go to the seminary, mm -hmm. actually, the grace of the Holy Spirit having worked on me. But as I come into this Lent, I, I, I have to say that for the last several years, I've been doing pretty much the same thing every Lent. Uh, it's I not to put myself on a pedal string. It's a fairly rigorous uh, sort of regimen that I typically put myself through during Lent. Um, but this year, I, I'm, I'm taking a very different approach uh, with it, and I'm doing some different things. Focusing, quite honestly, you know, I, I, I'm very good about the fasting and the abstaining um, during Lent, and that's typically been the core of my penitential practice. But this year, 
I, I know the Lord, I think, just has revealed to me some things in my life that need need change, need reform, need some repentance, uh, need some renewal. And so I'm going to be focusing on those things uh, during Lent, where I'll be I'll be abstaining from, if you will, or fasting from, not necessarily food, but other things that I know have gotten a grip on me, uh, you know, have played upon, you know, some of my own preoccupation and weaknesses. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I guess the Holy Spirit has just sort of mm-hmm. revealed uh, some other areas of my life that are in need of ongoing conversion. Right. And so I'm going to take those to this Lenten season and try to use some spiritual and, and practical exercises to help me, you know, break out of, of some of that. Also, for me, uh, during this Lent, and I encouraged uh, uh, our, our people, I, I celebrated Mass on, on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday at the cathedral, and I encouraged the people in, in approaching Lent this year you know, we, we have the tr- three traditional practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to really place a greater emphasis this year on prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, almsgiving, care for the poor and the needy is, is a very important part of our Christian lives in general, but certainly during Lent. And yes, the penances that we do are important. But I, I really want people to focus on their relationship with the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. and, and with the Father and in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I just, something puts on my heart this year that that's, that's fundamental, and that's where there's some real uh, negligence, I think, uh, in the part of many of us, is to foster and cultivate that relationship with the Lord. And that can happen only in prayer, really. So I was encouraging the people, and I'm encouraging myself, to really enter into this Lenten season with a much deeper sense of, of the importance of prayer and spending real not just quality time, but quantity time uh, with the Lord in prayer and trying to foster and develop my relationship with him side by side with these other uh, areas of my life that that need a little cleaning up, if you Mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about prayer, I think one of the things I've appreciated hearing from you and our priests about the um, listening or discerning sessions is that the core is about prayer. It's we're going to spend most of our time together in prayer, in quiet, in listening, um, which maybe can be difficult for our busy, fast-paced lifestyle that most of us are temporarily regularly used to. But how can we start to slow down to utilize the silence? I know you've talked a lot about oh, that yeah. gift of silence so that yeah, we, we can you know, start to listen. I emphasized during the synodal process that we've been going through um, the importance of prayer, that we have to, I think the way I put it is we have to soak Mm-hmm. This uh, this whole synodal process that we're going through in prayer it needs to just be just saturated in prayer, and um, it was interesting because we recently had a, a meeting of the Archdiocesan Pastoral Council, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's it's, it's sort of the equivalent of a, a parish pastoral council, but for the bishop. Mm-hmm. So we have rep- representation of the laity primarily from all across the archdiocese, from all of the vicariates. There's some clergy on there and some religious as well. Uh, but it's primarily lay people uh, representing their, their local areas. Um, so I meet with them quarterly for an all-day meeting to discuss the pastoral needs of the archdiocese and, and to propose uh, pastoral solutions to those needs. And one of the members of the council brought up something I thought very interesting 
you know, we, we entered into this synodal process with prayer, asking people to, you know, proceed any listening or, d- or discernment sessions with a holy hour of prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to put things on our heart that we could then bring into the discussion. And this member of the council pointed out people generally don't know how to do that. And it was a kind of a one of those aha moments mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> it was like, because a lot of the feedback we were getting already from some of the discernment sessions we had had in parishes is they were very focused on the practical things. Well, we could do this in the parish. We could do that in the parish. Mm-hmm. We could do this activity. We could do that. But there, were, there, there wasn't a lot of deeper reflection on, you know, where's the Holy Spirit leading us? What is the Holy Spirit saying to the church? How can we evangelize better? How can we share our love for Jesus better? You know, what is what what, we, what is God asking of us in this time? Not just about this program or that program, we could do this activity, but the deeper questions. Where are people's relationship with the Lord at? Where's my relationship with the Lord at? Where's my, my spouse's relationship with the Lord at? My children, my neighbors, my family, my friends, you know, to get deeper. And and I, I and I could see that people weren't really going very deep in, in the feedback we were already getting. And that's when this council member pointed out, well, we asked them to pray and to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, but you know, we we really haven't taught them how to do that. And people don't know how to listen to the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. I mean, I, I say that. I mean, it's 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 such common uh, language for me, and quite honestly, common practice that's only become more intense over my years as a priest and bishop, and especially, quite honestly, in the last uh, one to three years, it's it's intensified where I feel like I'm hearing if you will, the, the the voice of the Holy Spirit directing and guiding me. But I take it for granted that people know how to do that. And they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to sit quietly in prayer to propose things to the Lord, but then to listen and sit and listen and be patient. And and when I say listen, I mean, you know, <clears throat> just to be clear to everybody, I don't hear voices, <laughs> you know. Either that means I'm having a deep spiritual experience or... or uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm losing my mind, but um, but 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 we can hear at least you know I think when we're practiced at prayer we can we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Lord puts things on our heart. The Lord puts things in our mind that come from nowhere. It seems, and I'm experiencing this quite honestly more and more myself uh, more recently, where I, I'll ask the Lord for guidance on something in his presence before the Blessed Sacrament, and then I'll just be quiet. I'll just sit, and I'll try not to force any thoughts. But then sort of out of the blue come these deep insights or ideas or suggestions or, quite honestly, a lot of the new direction that I'm moving in in my own life as a bishop is a result of that kind of prayer. So this is what I I really would want people during Lent to do is to spend time in prayer. And, and you know, most of us growing up in, in, our, in our spiritual lives, we have a lot of prayers that we say. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our prayers. So we say the rosary, or we have our little morning prayers, or we have our little prayer book, and we read our devotions, and we read our novenas, and we, 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 we know how to pray vocally. We know how to do vocal prayer, what we call in the church. But we don't, not very many of us know how to do mental prayer where that it's conversational prayer with the Lord, speaking to the Lord from heart, uh, from our place of need and our place of woundedness and our, and our need for mercy, uh, and sometimes in our joy and, and, and peace. Mm-hmm. But then to, to listen, uh, it takes practice. And unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened that not enough 
uh, of us are are willing to put in the time and the effort to do that. So that's that's really kind of a focus that I'm, I want to put on Lent this year is let's let's really not diminishing or not taking away from our almsgiving and care for the poor or our acts of penance, but let's really make the the primary pillar, if you will, of this Lenten mm-hmm. observance, uh, deepening our relationship with the Lord in prayer. Right, right. And in that silence, I think the couple of Sundays before we entered the Lenten season was this real focus of the heart. What what comes out of our mouth right. is really from the heart. Mm-hmm. So if our heart is with the Lord, good things, fruitful things will come. But if not, if it's a hard heart. Mm-hmm. And so here we have this six-week journey, this 40 days to soften, Mm -hmm. to really make docile our heart. And maybe ways for us, whether we've got a busy schedule with work, kids, ministry, retired, wherever we are, how could we nurture that heart relationship during this time of Lent? Yeah, you know, we had, on again, on that Sunday, uh, before the Lenten season began, we had this image of Jesus in the gospel. Well, he had said a lot of things in the gospel, but, (laughs) but he gave us this image of the fruit. Mm-hmm. You know that a good tree bears good fruit, a, a bad tree, you know, bears bad fruit. We don't expect good fruit to come from a rotten tree, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but then, but then that harkens back to the first reading that weekend, which was from Sirach. And there, there was a line that jumped out at me this time. I don't know how many times I've seen these mm-hmm. readings, but the line that jumped out at me was, "The fruit of a tree shows the care." it has been given. That really struck me this year, mm-hmm. that the fruit of the tree shows the care that it has been given. In other words, uh, a, a, a tree does not produce good fruit without there being uh, care given to it. It has to, be, it has to be nurtured. It has to be tended to. Um, I, I, I make a, a half-hearted, or, or I shouldn't say it's, it's, it's full-hearted, but a, a uh, maybe not a very well-informed attempt at red growing roses uh, in the last couple of years. And boy, I tell you, it takes a lot of care. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to f- have the right fertilizer. You try to get that right pH in the soil. You got to water it just the right amount, but not too much. You have to deadhead it and, and prune it properly. And, and especially right. uh, before the new growth begins, you got to really prune it. You know, so there's all this tending to the the plant that's required for it in order to produce good fruit, in this case, hopefully beautiful roses. Well, the same is true of our spiritual life. I think people, sometimes we want an, we want an experience of the Lord. We want to feel close to God. We, we want to have a spiritual life that's enriched, uh, that's real, that, that, that you know, we, we can be close to God. We can feel his presence. We, we know that he's active in our life. We want that. I don't, anybody who believes, I can't imagine anybody not wanting that. But how do we get there? And I think we presume it somehow happens automatically or without much effort on our part. You know, if we go to church, if I go to church, if I go to Mass on Sunday, yeah, you know, then, I, then I'm good and it'll happen. No, it takes a lot more than that. And anybody who's really serious about a relationship with our Lord, who really wants to deepen in that friendship and relationship and have the grace uh, of, of the Lord uh, more active in our life, the graces that we need to get through daily life and with maybe whatever particular struggles or challenges we have at this time, that takes work. It takes cultivating. It takes care to produce that good fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So we need to, if you will, uh, tend to the soil of our heart. 
We have to till the soil. Mm -hmm. We have to fertilize the soil of our heart, our soul. Uh, We have to water it um, and give it light, you know, in in order for it to bear fruit in our life. So if we want real spiritual fruits in our life, and I hope we all do, then we have to be willing to put in the hard work that it takes to, to get that. And it's not, a, it's not, we're not uh, Pelagians. Uh, Pelagius was a, a early heretic of the church where everything was on our effort. No, I mean, God, God is the one doing the work in our soul, but we have to do our part. We have to cooperate with the grace that God gives us. Uh, if we don't, uh, we, just, we just cheat ourselves, quite honestly, of all that God wants to give us. So, so to cultivate, cultivate the spiritual life, to cultivate a life of prayer, to desire a relationship with Jesus uh, and with the Father and the Holy Spirit, to, to really open ourselves to that relationship, because it's all about a relationship. It takes effort on our part. It takes a commitment on our part. And that's what Lent does for us. That's, what, that's why I think Lent is so important, is because in the course of a year, we might get a little lukewarm. We drift away, maybe some of our commitment and our, our spiritual practices, especially prayer, so it's a time for a renewal, a time to recommit, a time to repent of our sin, uh, but, but more, even more so than that, to recommit ourselves to following the Lord and to that relationship that we want with him. So to be renewed, to be refreshed mm-hmm. in the spirit, especially as we prepare to celebrate the Paschal Mystery, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of our Lord. Right, right. And you talk about, Archbishop, your personal Again, commitment to that change, that listening, that prayer. And so there's that personal Lenten journey. And then there's a community. I think about the men and women who are starting to seek baptism and confirmation. They're preparing their final few weeks to be received into the church. And we're all renewing that baptismal promise. Um, Maybe ways that we can focus also as the community, the body of Christ. How do we enrich that part? Yes, that's a very good question and very important because Lent, uh, this this period of Lent, part of its origins are in the catechumenate and, and the earliest days of the church when we had those persons preparing to be baptized at Easter, at the Easter vigil. So Lent was for them sort of the final stretch, if you will. It was almost like a a final retreat in preparation for their own baptism when they were going to be incorporated into the church, incorporated into the body of Christ, when they were going to receive the graces of of renewal and regeneration in baptism, when they were going to be anointed uh, with the gift of the Holy Spirit and the chrism, and, and when they were going to partake for the first time in, in the Supper of the Lord and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and the Eucharistic Banquet. So, you know, this was kind of a final period of preparation, a prayerful preparation for them. So, so the, the catechumens are using Lent as sort of their final preparation for, uh, to receive the, the sacraments of initiation. Well, we, the rest of the community who are already baptized, already members of the body of Christ, have already received baptism and, and, and confirmation and who regularly participate in the celebration of the Most Holy Eucharist, what are we doing during this period of time? Well, it's a communal thing for us, too, because we as a community are preparing 
also to re- to celebrate again the Paschal Mystery in the Easter sacraments, but we're preparing to, re- to renew our baptismal promises at Easter. And I always remind people of this, that, you know, we're, Lent is not an end in itself. Uh, and I think some people tend to kind of make it that way. It's like uh, the, 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 the penance, the, the uh, somberness of, of Lent becomes an end in itself. No, Lent is there as a period of preparation, preparing our hearts and our souls for something. And what we're preparing to, that's something that we're preparing for is a, a, a re-celebration, a re-presentation of the, of the mystery of our salvation in Christ, his passion, death, and resurrection, and glorious ascension, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate those essential events of our salvation. Uh, so we're, as we prepare ourselves as a community, we do this in a communal way so that when we come to those mysteries, and it's, and it's beautiful because especially at the Easter Vigil, because after the newly baptized are baptized, after those catechumens, the elect we call them now because we will have celebrated on the first Sunday of Lent the rite of election where the bishop chooses those who are to go on to the Easter sacraments and be incorporated into the church through those rites. After they have been baptized, then the rest mm-hmm. of the community, those who are already baptized, now they are among us as the baptized, but then, then we renew our baptismal promises. And we are sprinkled with the waters of baptism. We're sprinkled with holy water, but it's not just any holy water. It's the Easter water. It's the water that has just been blessed and has been used to baptize those new fellow Catholics of ours. So there's a very communal sense of this, that we are not in in a relationship with our Lord in isolation from others. We are part of the body of Christ. We're part of the a mystical body of Christ. We're part of that communion of saints. And so there's a definitely a communal aspect of this. And the church has always seen this. It's not just my little individual prayer, penance, almsgiving routine for Lent. It's, it's also me walking with my brothers and sisters in Christ through this Lenten pilgrimage, if you will, to the Easter mysteries. But we do this, we do this in solidarity with one another. And when we renew our baptismal promises at Easter, we renew renew them as a community. Yes, I am individually renewing my baptismal promises, but I'm doing this surrounded by and with all of my brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in Christ. We're we're all together renewing this. So there's a a very strong communal sense of of renewal uh, that has to happen for us during the the Lenten season. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely beautiful, and I think that's one of the most powerful parts is to witness the baptisms at the Easter Vigil, and then again, do you reject Satan and all of his promises to remind ourselves, who are we following? We follow the Lord, and that's our baptismal promise. Um, If people haven't had a chance to experience an Easter Vigil, I would urge them this year, be there. Yeah, you know, I really would encourage that as well. The Easter Vigil is, is is the most solemn, the, the liturgy of all liturgies. Right. <laughs> it is the church's most important liturgy of the whole year. Yes, it's a little longer, but you everyone should experience mm-hmm. it at least once. I know people that just go every year and they just can't get enough of it. I know many people who are baptized at the Easter Vigil as adults who will continue to go to the Easter Vigil for the rest of their lives yeah. Yeah. because it, it renews for them that moment when they came in to Christ, into the church. But everyone 
even if you only do it once, because yeah. you know it's it's uh, it's it's not for the faint-hearted, because uh, <laughs> uh, it's a little longer. Uh, but everyone should experience it once. I think to see the church at her best liturgically. Absolutely. Yeah. One other thing I want to ask you a little bit about is Our Lady and her role with us, the Blessed Mother, during this Lenten journey. How can she help us walk through this Lenten time? Well, she's a mother. Yes. Yeah, she's our mother. Uh, she was certainly the mother of our Lord, uh, is the mother of our Lord. She was the mother given uh, by our Lord uh, to St. John, the Apostle. But in John, we are all there in, in John at the foot of the cross. So she is our mother, and so she wants to guide us through this period of time. She wants to, like a good mother, prepare us. I mean, I remember, I mean, how did I learn to get through <laughs> Lent? I, I learned from primarily my mother you know, mm-hmm. taught me about Lent and what it means and what we do and, and, and all of that. So she's she's there to help us do that. She's the perfect disciple. So she wants us to be better disciples of her son, Jesus. And so she has a very great interest in seeing us grow spiritually. And, and she will nurture that and mother that, if you will, within us. But she's also there uh, at our Lord's passion. You know, she there she's there to meet him on the way of the cross. I, I love the depiction of that scene, by the way, from the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Oh, it was one of those, mm-hmm. just brings tears to my eyes thinking about it again. Um, but, and then she's there at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's there, the mother, and and she's there to, to be with her son through this greatest moment uh, in, in all of human history. When, when the Son of God, God himself, offers his own life and salvation for the world. And she's there to receive him as he comes down from the cross. And that's why that image of the Pietà, whether it's Michelangelo's Pietà in, in, in St. Peter's in, in the Vatican, or whether it's any image, any image that depicts Mary holding Christ, who has been deposed from the cross, is a Pietà. And that image of her cradling her dead son, is such a, 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 a powerful sign of her tender and compassionate motherly love. I love that, again, in the scene, in the, sorry to keep going back, the Passion of the Christ, when, when they have that scene of Jesus taken down from the cross and laid in his mother's arms, and she, she looks at us into the camera. It's chilling. Mm-hmm. She looks right into our eyes as she kind of gestures with her hand, pointing to her son. And she might be saying, look what your sins have done to my son. But I think more she is saying, look what my son has done for you. Mm -hmm. See how much he loves you. Uh, Behold uh, your salvation and new life. So I think she's there to, to definitely help us and guide us during this time. Right. And it, again, takes us back to the love of Christ, the, the uh, God so loved the world, as you always remind us. Mm-hmm. That's the core, the crux of, of our belief as Christians. This is, this is what we proclaim. Yeah. This is what the church proclaims to the world, this mercy and love poured out in Jesus Christ for all, the salvation of the world. Right. Well, let's have a, a, an amazing, heart-changing Lenten season. We'll continue to pray for you, particularly during this season, for all of our priests and for those who are on the road to coming into the Catholic Church. Would you help us close with your blessings? The Lord be with you, and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families, your loved ones, especially during this Lenten season, and be with you this day and forever. 
Amen. Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed Lenten season. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.